peace, love, and fucking butterflies. It's Juanita, and most of you may know me from TikTok. And y'all, I just have so many things on my heart. I've been having conversations of books I haven't read yet. Like when someone starts speaking, I'm like, damn, I should write this down. Or I say things that speak to me and resonate for me, although they come from me. It just seems profound in the moment. It is a teaching that I needed. So my fiance and I were having a quote unquote debate about nature versus nurture and environmental stimuli. And it it is my belief that if either of the latter are true, then the former has to exist. We do not have nurture and environment without nature. However, if it is just nature alone that is the cause of or the conclusion of, then that can exist by itself. The problem with all three being true, for whichever is the good, it has the bad to compete with it. And the bad in competition can heighten itself over and over and over again. Versus if only the bad were true, then something external can come out and begin to advocate for good, different, and work to change someone's school of thought and introduce new perceptions that one may be open to aside from when you're battling all three. And they're like, no, I've already thought of it that way, but my quote-unquote bad side is telling me this is the reason why that good isn't good enough. And then you just end up on this cycle. And and these are moments where I feel like I'm rambling, so hopefully I make sense and you all follow. And I'm not just rambling because... I don't know, these are the things that... I believe need to be studied more in depth and I'm really considering doing my own research, so to speak, because my problem with psychology is it is mostly rooted in or it began with the older white man's thought processes where basically they studied the brain, which is not a bad thing, but it does not include the person that the brain is operating so we have this conclusion of a collective but we never never individualized it to say this is what we should do so my partner and I were speaking about ADHD and ADHD and his take was why do we call it a disorder why are we not putting these children and people in spaces where what is quote unquote wrong to us is normal for them. Therefore, they become the masses and they don't have to conform. We've carved out a place in society in which they can just be themselves. Why are we chemically trying to bring them into normal to fit into our society when they're already explaining to us through action that I am not like you and I do not desire to be such. I am who I am and I am okay with that. It's the same for any person who thinks different, acts different, and brings forth themselves in a manner that says, I'm the rebel without a cause, or I am the cause for the rebel, whatever the case may be. Why are we not meeting people where they are? And why are we requiring them to be over here with us so that we don't have to d- disrupt our normalcy for their quote unquote disorder? And I thought that was a really good thing. So I posted a, like a poem on TikTok. And if I can get through it unscripted, so to speak, You guys bear with me. The problem is we curse our kids with the curses that were cast on us. When that child starts screaming from their lungs because they screaming for our love, we pass down the same shit that was passed onto us. Child, if you don't hush it up, I will give you something to be screaming for. 
Then they start screaming for different reasons. Like, mommy, place your hands around my neck. Because if you got to beat us just to let yourself be honest, something about your touch just feels like love. And that's the poison that was rationed to us. Then we label them ADD and shit still don't be adding up. That child was screaming about their needs. But mommy was nursing demons of the times that she was screaming, begging and pleading. And no one ever showed up to the meetings. And she can't even see it in her offspring. A seed where she could plant some love. Either that child gonna heal you or you gonna fuck them up. That came to me last night after he and I were having this discussion because postpartum is my Achilles heel. It is something that I battle with constantly. Being the custodial parent is often a struggle for me and I have to rely on my supports. And if I may be completely transparent, I oftentimes I take medication to balance me out because I hadn't been able to process the fact that I need my child to be in an, in, in an environment that is of his likeness instead of our son. Can you come over here to me? Because mommy cannot take this right now. <laughs> and my fiance was able to give me that perspective. And I am grateful. And then I also realized when I hear older people say, oh, that child need an ass whoop. And that child is begging to get his ass whooped. And I just could never get with that concept. I was not okay with that. And my not being okay with that, I had to kind of dig around inside of me and figure out what is the alternative. Instead of living with the things that we were conditioned with, if I could reframe my own thought process, see, a lot of my traumas and sexual abuse have me guarded and has taught me that if somebody is overly affectionate, they want something from me that will cost me something. And I have not alone been able to retrain my brain the problem with being victimized is people are taking from you and you get nothing in return but loss and heartache and just self-despair. I had to talk long enough to reach the conclusion that if I can first give him what he he needs and he will give me what I require as well, he is begging for attention, affection, and etc., which is not my natural response. And I figure, okay, well, if we can cuddle, if we can hug or kiss or whatever his need is because his love language is touch affection if I can give him that that will fill up his love tank and then bring him to a level of calm or I gotta give her what she needs because she met me where I was at first instead of thinking why can't someone just fulfill my needs and not want anything in return that's kind of what postpartum feels like give me give me give me give me and I'm tired of giving I am tired I need someone to assess me to meet me where I am, to, to love on me. And loving on me may not be physical touch. I may, may need you to love me from a distance or with acts of service by you just being a calm, a subtlety in whatever chaos I am experiencing. But I also have to realize that if I do not address the things that attack me, then I will become the thing that attacks my children. And I am not okay with trauma cycling and continuation of generational curses and light bulbs were going off and I was on the phone with my fiance and he says, tell me a story. So I did. Once upon a time, there was a woman who built this big, grand, marvelously beautiful home. And around that work of art, she built a fence so tall and 
commanding that people never saw anything like it before or after seeing it. And enough time passed and she realized that that fence not only kept people out, but it kept her in. And then one day through wonder or curiosity, she stumbled upon someone that was worth letting in. And by letting him in, that person showed her the world and she got to examine the way she was living and what caused her to build this fence. And as a an amends to her past self and her own pain, she brought this person into her home and showed them the cracks on the wall, the spaces that were broken, the unkeptness of her being and said, I have this and it's not perfect, but I'm willing to share it with you because you make me want to open the gates on my fence. And I hadn't realized that my guards not only kept me safe, they kept me sheltered from the good as well. And as I told that story, my six-year-old started clapping. I'm like, yay. When I said the end, see, I thought I was talking to my lover, but I was talking to my love. My child was tuned in and he could hear me and understand me. And he understood that I was talking about me and fences began to come down and he was the person that's going to show me the world because baby I love you but this thing that I chemically battle the imbalance of often loses to me the expression someone losing their mind is so literal because the battle is internal I am losing to the very thing that controls me that is a part the main source of my operations you see the problem with what we are designed to do and be as humans is to operate in spaces of comfort, security, and survival. So if pain and trauma are the forefront of your experience, it it is the space in which you have learned to survive. Therefore, your brain operates to keep you there because it knows how to stay alive. That dopamine is released or whatever it is a person experienced, although it's painful it's still that heightened emotion and that rush and the brain is like boom okay we're working let's go into overtime it doesn't say oh my god this is treacherous and we're merely surviving i have to change the venue so that something different can happen it's like nope newness is uncomfortable and i do not know how to respond or react in newness it is the same for a damaged person who is looking for something healthy yet they don't know how to be loved so they fuck it up because I need to operate in a space that I am completely comfortable in. Oh, here's some chaos. So now that I can make sense of all things that are going on around me, because through trauma and the things that I was conditioned with, I may believe that I am not worthy of love or that healthy doesn't exist. Therefore, I will ensure it does not exist. Welcome to self-sabotaging behaviors. But I can't grasp that in the moment because my brain is in control right now and I am merely surviving until one day enough is enough. And you say, hey, brain, I appreciate the work you do. But I do also know that there are methods that I can use to redirect where we're going, the way we get there and how long we stay. The brain panics. And you have to use the brain to beat the brain. And this is where a person can lose their mind because that battle is severe. You're literally standing in the middle of it, needing to be a part of it while trying to control it. And forgive me if I am rambling, but sometimes when passion speaks for me, all I can do is kind of be quiet. Eventually, 
I reach those spaces where my thoughts start talking to me and I'm just like, I wonder if others feel this way. To rid myself of alienship, I have to actually open my mouth, but it sounds crazy in my internal processing sometimes. So, But here we are having, having conversations of books that I haven't read yet and I probably should write this down. And it took a lot of exploration to start picking apart things that felt like nature versus nurture. For instance, people say marriage is a facade of happiness and light and all this other stuff because it really becomes mundane as soon as you put a ring on it. We hear the guys plea like, if you don't plan to give it away, then what was the point of you getting at me? And the woman is saying, the pussy is yours. You just have to take it and they signal their mind you need to make love to my mind so I can give you what belongs to you because you hold this space of euphoric ecstasy that I don't want to be away from but if you can only present it in the physical I'm not interested nobody meets in the middle to talk about the true issue so they're both butting heads and no one can say that we're both right we just need to learn to speak the other's language so that we can be right together So my fiance asked me if I were, would you bring me back if I were to get lost in you? And I asked him, "Ah, what's the point if I were lost too? That's us working together to be on the same plane because Operation Cloud Nine is the existence that I desire. I want a person in my reality that incites my imagination so I don't need a break from every day because you feel like ecstasy. The fairy tale has presented itself in I get mad with Disney's fairy tale because those are the things that want us to push to be away from reality. And that is the facade of happiness. If we could really understand that the fairy tale is just fair. It's someone loving you fairly. They consider you. You can argue fair. You are allowed to have oppositions in different points of view, but it does not define or drive a wedge between. My lover often says, I don't want anything between us but love. And he shows that in his actions. And when I first met him, I was running because, sir, you got to be too good to be true. Healthy does not exist for me. I don't know what to do with this. So before I fuck it up, can I return it to you? I'm telling you I'm damaged. And he says, so what? Let me love all of those parts of you. Let me caress you slowly so I can feel the brokenness without cutting my own finger. Versus when we operate in these trauma bonds where... We continue to pass pain around because either I can cut you and watch you bleed so that I can feel those same sorrows or, you know, I'll give you the dagger and you can slice me open. And either way, I'm still in the chaos, so I'm comfortable. And I didn't want to live like that anymore. And I had no idea. He told me, you gave me the answers to the questions. And I didn't. I didn't even realize that in a moment. See, I thought I was just telling him what questions to ask because I had answers and I just didn't know where they belonged. And so I would map out things, so to speak, about what I needed for myself. And he further backed me with helping me get to those spaces for myself. So it feels like someone encouraging you to love you 
And for that very reason, you will love them in return. Not so much, hey, you need to love me because I'm this and I'm that. Hey, no, love you because you're this and you're that. So through his love, there was so much healing and eye-opening moments that I am so grateful for to have a place that I actually know is home for me in him because he is a safe space. And I was able to present that in return because... He so effortlessly gave it to me and he didn't demand anything in response to that. And I didn't have any experiences that accounted for that very feeling. And I know for those who have experienced it, it would resonate. And some have experienced it and they couldn't handle it because where's my box of chaos? Where's the damaging factors of us? Because love has to be pain. Because purity doesn't exist in total. But it does. We have those moments of aggravation and headbutts. And we have to get through those healthily. He'll often look at me and say, hey, you're doing that thing again. And that thing is a trauma response. It's me shutting down. It's me pushing away. It's me going back into survival giving my old self the torch and say enough of trying to do something different this is fucking hard and I don't know what I'm doing the blueprint is illegible and I can't make sense of scribble scrabble so fuck this shit and then he presses out the blueprint he translates it and it doesn't feel like it's only for a demand of something in return If you need this for you, allow me to help you reach that point. And that is where I found more healing. And then we go further because my children were gone for six months. And I said, I want my children to experience the newness of me as well. I've healed a lot of spaces within me. But I have not healed the spaces that are affected by postpartum. The spaces that hurt. Because the fact of single motherhood feels like punishment of a choice you made that you inadvertently didn't make if the choice is the only option is it really a choice okay child I will love you because it has to be done anyway that's not what motherhood should be and it it is not that black and white for me either but in my moments that I am losing to my quote-unquote disorder that is what it feels like so last night the children would not go to sleep and I have not had a regular sleeping pattern for days since their return and I just started to examine myself as I were losing my mind and I realized it was literally in my mind I had to start with my mind if I can identify why something is happening to me or why I am losing, or even someone else in my working with people in their healing. If I can make this identification, then I can start to do away with the other questions that come. So to sum that up, it was, I need to identify why, so that I don't build questions upon questions, because if I needed to take out the trash, and I never identified why, then I'd be like, well, what if I take out the trash later? What if I don't take out the trash at all? What if I just make this pile over here trash too? And I keep coming into all of these questions instead of going back to the simplification that I need to take out the trash because 
Why will answer all of the questions that come after it. But without why, you will be able to ask questions upon questions of the questions that come after it. And I don't say that to be confusing, so hopefully it resonates. So whatever that thing is that's eating at you, be it good or bad, because good can eat too. If you can identify your why, you'll always circle back to when other questions come up, come up, come about. And it was just kind of mind-boggling that I just went into all of these spaces last night. And of course I did. I smoked a little something. And when I do that, my thoughts really talk to me. And Shakespeare becomes the language. And I'm just, I'm in a moment. I'm in a vibe, so to speak. And it's almost like I can feel the codes of my DNA. I am so in tune with myself and They're not always spaces that I can share with others because I don't know what I want in return. And I don't know that I want to give it just to get something in return. Sometimes I have to hold on to it to have something for myself until I can fully process it. And I guess if I could leave that thought of the collection of thoughts (laughs) and questions... Is it nature versus nurture and environmental stimuli? Is it true that if the latter are present, then the former has to be too? Or can they all stand alone because people are wired in so many different ways and until we actually study individuals, and we just run around chasing symptoms of a brain. My fiance stated, what is the pattern of the child who never met their father, yet looks like them, acts like them, talks like them, and follows the path of them? Is it the things that are said in the absent? Now, damn, you acting like your daddy. That's why his ass in prison. And the child internalizes it. Or is it, There's just that one structure of a cry for a child who is lacking something that they need for their developmental space, for their well-being, and etc. So many questions, not enough answers. So I don't know, maybe, maybe I will conduct a study and dive more into that thought process. And for those of you who do know me on TikTok, I also believe you guys can leave comments in the podcast space wherever we shall meet. If you have any thoughts, concerns, or questions, or ideologies, I am very intrigued to have the conversation. If you'd like to actually be a guest on the podcast, I'd definitely love to have that. My talk show is in the taping phase. Be patient with me as you know. Grassroots just kind of seems to be the way to go as I feel myself, feel my way around in the dark. Thank you for your ears and your hearts and your soul. Thank you for the sprinkle and time that you chose to share with me. Peace, love, and fucking butterflies.